This week, we're kind of continuing this idea of all the things that we get tunnel vision on that are unhealthy. They're not good. For whatever reason, we're tricked. We've been lied to. We've been this belief that if, I, if I'm tunnel visioned on the lust of the flesh, which was last week, if I get tunnel visioned on all of those things, then those things will satisfy me and fill me. And we learned last week, that's not true. It's not true. That what God has for us is purpose and meaning. And we see that in John 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life more, what? Abundantly, right. That's the promise that Jesus has for you in your life. And so we're continuing this idea, this thought of the things that we get tunnel visioned on that are not great, right? They're not great. And tonight is probably a very touchy subject again. And it's dealing with mental health. It's dealing with this idea of anxiety. And some of you, as soon as I said the word, some of you are like, oh, I'm anxious, right? <laughs> um, and we're going we're gonna to answer some questions tonight. And we're gonna, I want to land with something we know and something that is true. And so that's my goal tonight. I'm not going to answer the question about your anxiety, okay? But what I'm praying is that God will answer your question about anxiety. I'm going to try my best to kind of talk about this topic because there's so many different little things about it. And, but we're going to take a good stab at it, and we're just going to see where God is going to take us tonight. It literally is three truths. You're like, Steve, you're going to talk about anxiety. I'm looking at the talk sheet. You only have three blanks for me to fill out, all right? But there's a thing at the bottom, notes and quotes, so fill that out too, all right? If you need a pen, I think pens are kind of walking around. If you need some pens, just kind of wave them around. Um, so make sure you're doing that. All right, here's what I want to, we'll talk here. We'll, we'll start here. Um, have you ever thought about, this is funny, have you ever thought about what the mind of an anxious person looks like? Don't have to. <laughs> uh, some of you are like, uh, it's in here, Steve, just say it, right? <laughs> um, so have you ever, some of these are, some of these are serious, but some of these are meant to be funny, all right? So I just kind of was thinking through what are, what are the thoughts of an anxious person? What are some of those thoughts? Well, here's, here's a couple of those thoughts, and you'll probably go, oh, yeah, there it is. Here's number one. Ready? I think it, we have it up on the screen. It says, entering an elevator full of people, or worse, an ele elevator filled with only one person. That's the, the thought of an anxious person, right? The door's open and it's full. You're like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, you know, do I talk to people? No, do I don't, I don't want to talk to people, right? <laughs> Is the elevator going to hold us up? Oh my gosh, right? All right, number two, uh, being home and wishing you could be more social or being more social and wishing you could be at home, right? Kind of thoughts of an anxious person. Some of the anxious people in the room are going, yeah, that's me. The ones that are not so anxious to go, really? All right, uh, number three, this one's great. Why are they taking so long to respond to my text message? <laughs> or even worse, are they mad at me? <laughs> Have I annoyed them? <laughs> Those are the thoughts of an anxious person. Can I get an amen in the room? Amen. <laughs> it hasn't been read. It hasn't been read, right? <laughs> True statement. All right, here's one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Why is everyone laughing? Why is everybody laughing? Are they laughing at me? <laughs> I must have annoyed them. Oh my gosh. I must have done something stupid. 
That's true. Why is everybody laughing? Like right now, somebody's laughing, and the person who's anxious next to him is like, are they laughing at me because I'm anxious? The circles, the circles, the circles. And the last one is, this is probably the best, is hearing the phrase, let's go around the room and introduce ourselves. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing about anxious people, right? Um, you just never know what's in that head. Like those voices, those words, those phrases that are going through your mind. And here's the thing, it affects guys just as much as it affects girls. Anxiety is really a, a true thing in our culture. And you talk, you hear a lot about mental health, don't you? You hear a lot about it in our culture. You hear a lot about it with your friends. You hear a lot about it in, in different, um, when you're at school and different things like that. And so I really want to kind of tackle this topic for, just for our sake. And what does God have to say about anxiety? And so I want to take some few minutes here at the beginning and just kind of define some of these things and some of these terms for all of us. And I want to tell you what fear is, and then let's talk about what anxiety is. Because in a lot of ways, we use those two words very synonymously. We use them in a lot of the same ideas and same thoughts. But there is a difference between what fear is and what anxiety is. Although they have the same kind of symptoms and what you see in like heart rate going up, all those different things, all of those triggers that anxious people have, a lot of it is there's a difference between what fear is and what anxiety is. Fear is this. Fear is an emotional response to a known or definitive threat. It is an emotional response to a known and definitive threat. I'll use this example. It's probably not the best example, but it's the one that I thought of. You're going skydiving. Never been. But for the anxious person who is thinking about that moment, you're in the plane, you're strapped up, you got the chute on, fear is when the door opens and there's no railing, okay? That fear is that, like fear is like imminent danger. There's a known threat, like right here, I'm fixing to what out of a really good plane, right? That's genuine fear, okay? That is a known threat. Here's what anxiety is, you ready? Anxiety follows an unknown or poorly defined threat, okay? It's an unknown or poorly defined threat. It's the what if question, right? The what if question, that's anxiety. So using this analogy of an airplane, like the plane door opens up, I'm gonna fall out of this perfectly good airplane, that is fear, right? My adrenaline comes up, everything about me wants to go, no, right? That's fight or flight, right? That's fear, that's genuine fear. God put that in there for you, right? God put fear in you on purpose so that you would not jump out of the plane, that you would not do something dangerous, right? That's fear. Anxiety is thinking about all the things that are going to happen between now and when I hit the ground. What, what, if, what if my chute doesn't open? What if, what, if that, um, what if we don't land in the right place? What if I break my ankle when we get to the ground? Is the ground really going to be there? You see all the what if questions? Um, that is the unknown. That is, that is not proven. It's not there yet. And so anxiety is that spot where you're in the what if cycle. 
You keep asking yourself that what if question, what if question, what if question. And then that's when worry and all the triggers come in. And some people, not everybody, some people in that moment of anxiety, it triggers a lot of physical responses. Heart rate goes up, you get the shakes, sweats, all the things you can't breathe, ah, you know, with some of the, sometimes it's called a panic attack. And I said, sometimes it's not always that. Um, but here, you see, do you, do you understand the difference here between what fear is? It's known. Fear is a known threat. Anxiety is what is to come and what is unproven and what is unknown. Is everybody tracking with me so far? Okay, so now that we've kind of defined the terms, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what that means for in my life and even as a believer. You ever ask that question? Is anxiety a sin? Is it a sin to have anxious thoughts? And the answer to that question is yes and no. And you're like, Steve, why didn't you just say the right word, right? <laughs> it is, anxiety is a sin when you remove all security that God will provide for you. When you remove that thought and you think it cannot and will not happen, you do not trust God to provide for you that anxiety is a sin. Now, there are known medical diagnosable anxiety disorders that are out there. Not self-diagnosed, but there are medically diagnosed disorders about, that are out there. And in that regard, it is not a sin. Can't go there yet. Does that make sense? But in that moment, when you distrust God to provide for you, yes, that. It's a trust issue. It's what it comes down to. And in that anxiety, it is a sin. Is that clear? So far, so good? You tracking with me? Okay, so Jesus addresses anxiety. That's that moment when the moment of fear comes in, that moment of, you know, I don't know what's going on. You have this choice. Do I allow the worry, the anxious, fearful, what if questions to distract me from my relationship with the Lord? Do I allow that to track me towards sin? Or do I take that fearful moment, that kind of thing, and believe and trust that God will care for me and provide for me? Do you see the difference? Because what happens when that fear comes or that thought comes or that anxious thought comes? What you do with it matters. And how you respond to that matters. It matters to you and it matters to God. And you could say that about any and all anxious thoughts that come into your heart and your life and how you receive those things and how you deal with those things. Tracking with me so far? So good? Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your own Bible, I would love for you to open it up and look for yourself. If you don't have your Bible, you can use your app as long as you don't get on Instagram. And if you take my picture, make sure you get the good side. Um. But we also have it on the screen for you as well. Because I really want you to see this for yourself and what Jesus has for you. And what he has for you is so much more than your what-if questions could ever answer. And so I want to come alongside all of us tonight and say, you know what? Jesus has got something to say. And he's got something to give us in the moments when we are fearful and the moments when we are anxious. He wants to meet us right where we are. He's not absent to you, y'all. 
He's not. When that fear comes in, those what-if questions flood your mind, and you scramble your thoughts, and it's like this circle that you're creating of what if this happens, and then this happens, and this happens, and then you get paralyzed, and you don't do anything. And what are you telling yourself in that moment? And what Jesus has to give you is peace, be still. Calm your heart. Calm your mind. Trust me, I got you. And when we can get to that place with our thoughts and we get there in our hearts, we begin to glorify God with our lives. And we really begin to get that tunnel vision off our anxiety and all those fears. We get the tunnel vision off of that and say, you know what, God, I trust you to provide for me. I trust you to care for me. I trust you to know my anxious thoughts. I trust you. And we surrender that to the Lord. And in that surrender, we take steps of faith, believing the promises of God. So far, so good? I keep checking in with you because I want to make sure. If you, like, okay. Um, so here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 35. Daniel Terrell just really um, read this for us so well, and I want to go back through it but, and kind of pick it apart a little bit. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. You probably, some of you probably need to underline right there. Just let, let that, let, let, for all the anxious people in the room just to go, I need that right there. Do not worry about your life as what you will eat, what you will drink. He's talking about the necessities, right? He's talking about the necessities of life. Not for your, nor for your body as to what you will put on, your clothing, your closet, your fit. Don't worry about it. That doesn't mean walk around naked, by the way. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, you need those things. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow it, nor do they reap it, nor do they gather crops and barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You ever thought about that? Who feeds the birds? Oh, it, my dad puts a little bird feeder out front, and he, you know, he's feeding the birds there, you know. <laughs> but all the other times, right? How do the birds eat? You ever thought about that? How do the animals feed? Who provides for them? God does. And Jesus answers that question. He says, how much more important are you than them? It's a question. It's not a statement. And Jesus is saying, you are more valuable. And I, I want to provide for you. I want to come alongside you. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, who is the richest king in the world, in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so closes, clothes the grass of the field, in other words, he takes care of that, he waters that, he tends that, he cares for that, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he will not make much more clothe you. You have little faith. Do not worry. Then saying, what are we to eat? What are we to drink? What are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. In other words, non-believers seek all of these things too. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Some of you need to underline that phrase there. For your heavenly Father knows 
all that you need. And then Jesus uses the mic drop. Some of you have used this verse before. You've memorized this in Bible drill. Some of you probably are hearing it for the first time. This one's one you need to circle and underline. But then Jesus says in all of these things, but seek first. Seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be provided for you. Then he ends the chapter and he says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble as its own. Y'all, you've been lied to. I've said this for the past two weeks, and I'm going to keep saying it for the next three. You've been lied to. The evil one has taken that verse and has taken those things and has created doubt in your heart that that is true. That for the fearful, anxious person in the room, you didn't know that. You didn't see that. Or you not even thought about reading scripture and allowing that to be the truth that you hold on to. I'm not saying that this is the cure for anxiety, but here's what I'm saying. And I'll say it. Many times in the middle of the what-if questions, in the middle of the anxious thoughts that are spiraling out of our control, the words that we hear in our head and feel in our bodies and our, all these things, we miss to going back to what is true and what is right. We are spinning out of control, and Satan is loving that every second. Because he is spinning your mind, he is spinning your thoughts in all these different directions that are off of what you know to be true. And Jesus tells us, this is what I know to be true for you, and I believe what you need in the middle of your anxious thoughts. So in your mind, when you are swirling around, it's time to do a little self-talk to your thoughts and to those feelings that you may have and always come back to what you know is true and allow the truth to center you in the middle of all your chaos in your brain. So far, so good. You tracking with me? I'm not saying this is the cure for it, but I'm saying this is a really big help. All right? It's find out, quit asking the what if questions and ask the what is question. What is true? What is right? What is trustworthy? In this moment, in the middle of my chaos, in the middle of my swirling thoughts, what do I know to be true? And the story that I'm creating or the story of the words and phrases that I'm hearing, I need to recognize those as lies and come back to what I know to be true. Are you tracking with me? I want to see a good nod or an amen every now and then would be great, okay? Um, because I really want to help you. I want to do as best I possibly can to help center you and bring you back to what you know to be true. And what we know to be true is what we know in God's word. Y'all, this is it. Jesus is telling us, this is it. Paul even talks about it in Philippians 4. He says, don't be anxious for anything. But by prayer and petition, make your request known to God. In other words, all the things you're worried about in life, give it to God. All the things that you're anxious about that are getting you all torqued, right? Creating the chaos and the doubt in your heart. Paul says, bring that back to God. 
And he even goes further and says, not only just by prayer and petition, but think on the things that are right, that are true, that are noble, that are trustworthy. The things, think about those things. Paul knows an anxious heart too. <laughs> That's amazing. Jesus knows it. Paul knows it. So let's listen to the wisdom that they have for us and allow that to speak in. So here's the thing I want us to dial in. Here's the three truths, okay? Three truths that we find in Matthew chapter 6 that will bring us back to what we know is true and what is right in the middle of our anxiety. Okay? You ready for this? This is good. Trust me. Jesus, these are actual phrases that I want you to say. Okay? I didn't make these. These are are things that will ground you in the moment. All right? Here it is. One, Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my provider. It is not Jesus might be. Maybe. No, Jesus is my provider. And some of you need convincing that that is true. Some of you may not believe that about who Jesus is. Because the story that you have written about Jesus is that he's far off and distant and doesn't care. Some of us in the room have just believed that Jesus is far removed from anything. He doesn't know what's going on in my life. And if Jesus, if I say this and believe this with my whole heart, Jesus is my provider, that no matter what my worry is and no matter what is going on in the chaos of my life, if he's truly my provider, that leads me back toward what I know it's to be true and to lead me into godliness and away from sin and in toward godliness. I don't want to doubt that Jesus can't provide for me. I don't, I don't want to live in that. Because you guys know that. Just, I just said it. That's sin. But if I'm in the moment of the anxiety, I know and I trust that God is my provider. Jesus is my provider. Then I can start moving toward godliness and being able to handle the anxiety moments that come and go in my life. Um, I love it that he knows He knows how you feel. He knows what you're thinking about your world. Your fear of failure, he knows it. Your fear of what others think about you, he knows it. Do you believe that Jesus can provide for your needs? And what would it look like in the middle of fearful moments that you would take genuine steps of faith believing that promise to be true. Imagine what your life would be like on the other side of that. Just using one of the examples that we talked about earlier, that moment when you're in small group and it goes around, hey, I want to introduce yourself. What would it look like in that moment that I trust that Jesus will provide for me in that moment? I trust that. And so even in the middle of a fearful moment like that, I'm going to trust that he's going to provide for me and step out on a limb and actually maybe say my name. Hello, my name is Steve. And this is who I am. This is what I'm into. And just trust that what you're saying and believing as it relates to the community that you're in and the groups that you're in, that what you say and who you are is a blessing to those that are around you and not a burden. And so 
using this idea that Jesus can provide for me even in the middle of the simplest fearful moments, you, can you imagine what the abundant life would look like on the other side of that? If you just tried, stepped out in faith, and just believed that he would be my provider. Number two, Jesus is my provider. That's number one. Number two, I am his child. I am his child. I love, <laughs> I don't think Jeff and I talked about the song you, you just sang. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And here's the thing. Jesus is not like any earthly father. And being in God's family is not like any earthly family. There are some things that we know to be true in eternity and in a relationship with God that we not necessarily will see earthly. Because honestly, some of us in this room, maybe not all of us, don't have a very healthy picture of our dads. And so many times that unhealthy picture of our dads, we translate into God, and that's unfair of a heavenly father. And I really want you to start thinking, if that's true of you and your story, that maybe you and your dad are not on great terms and you don't have a good relationship with your father, or your earthly father, I want to come alongside you and say, there is a daddy in heaven who absolutely loves you more than anything else in the world. He cherishes you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows you. He knows you way, way more than your earthly father may know. He cares for you and loves you and desires to be in a relationship with you. And I would love for you, if you're struggling in that, I would love for you just to consider and to think, how can I look to my heavenly father for the love and the, the, love and the affection that I need in my life? Still honoring my earthly father. Not discrediting him, not pushing him off, but I'm looking for the approval of God and not necessarily the approval of dad. Now, some of you have a healthy relationship with your dad and be thankful for that. Don't gloat over that. Don't brag about that, but be thankful for sure. And maybe even help some of your friends to understand who a heavenly father is and point them to Jesus. If you have a friend that's really struggling with their father. And so when I hear and I see what Jesus says in verse 32, and he says, Father, in that passage, it's like, whoo, really? And the answer is yes. That word father literally is an intimacy. It's a moment where it's like he's looking at you. I got you. You're my, you're my kid. You can look to me as a father. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will be the person that you need in the moments when anxiety is swirling in your head and your heart. You know, Psalm 56.3 says this. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Some of you are like, where's that verse? I'm going to re-say it again. Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, which that's a lot of us in a lot of different moments, I love what the psalmist says. He says, I will put my trust in you. And some of us need to be saying that to God on a daily basis, <laughs> if not moment by moment basis. You know, here's the thing. Fear is a positive thing. It's not necessarily always negative. Fear is positive. There's a positive benefit to fear, and that benefit is preparation. 
And so if that's true, if that's true, if, if preparation is a benefit of fear, those who are anxious people should be and ought to be the most prepared people in our groups. <laughs> they ought to be the most prepared people walking into different moments and different environments, walking into school, walking into friendships, walking into all of these things. Because you are fearful, it ought to prepare you for what is to come. God gave you that on purpose. Some of you who are anxious people ought to be like party planners, right? You ought to be the best party planner ever, right? Um, that may be, a, some of you are like, oh, that might be a good idea for me. You know, it just, I major that in college. No, 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 that's, that's different partying. Uh, that's different partying. Um, but fear is positive and it helps us prepare, prepare to protect ourselves. But here's the thing. It should never paralyze us though. Fear should prepare us, but it should never paralyze us to the point where we can't move and can't go anywhere and can't do anything. That's, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the people around you. And I go back to what I just said. What would it look like, even in the moments when you feel like I can't go anywhere, that you would honestly believe that you are a child of the king who desires to provide for you? But you would take that truth and stand on that truth and walk in faith in the moments that you're around. Number three, here we go. The third statement that we can learn in verse 33, it says, you ready for this? God will be my priority. Jesus is my provider. I am his child and God will be my priority. There's a reason why Jesus said, but seek what? First, the kingdom. That speaks to priority. Jesus is telling every anxious person in the room, this is what he's saying to you. Make him your priority. And if he's your priority in life and not your own story and not your own will, but you would make God's will the priority of your life, that every step of faith that you take, you would trust and believe that his will is perfect and awesome for you. That his will is your priority. You desire in your heart and your life to do the things that honor him and to glorify him. It's time for us to flip the switch on this one. It's time for us to flip the switch and get tunnel vision on what Jesus has for us instead of, of pursuing and comparing ourselves to everyone else around us. We gotta flip that switch. Some of us are so anxious about what other people think that we don't, are not even thoughtful of what God thinks about it. I mean, just, this is crazy. I was eating lunch with a friend today, and we were talking about this. We were talking about anxiety. I was like, man, I'm preaching on this thing called anxiety. I'm anxious about it, even just preaching about anxiety. I'm just thinking about this. And as we were just talking, as, as we were talking, he said this, and it was so mind-blowing. He says, if you take your fear, whatever you're worrying about, and you put God next to it, and you ask the question, does God care about that worry as much as you do? And I went, that's deep. Whatever worry that is, ask the question, does God care as much about that as you do? And here's what I think. I don't think he cares about it as much as you do. And if that's true and he's your priority that you will elevate the things of God in your life. And those worries and those fears that you think are more important will begin to fade away and disappear. 
And I, I just was like, whoa, that's deep. Because I can take almost anything. The fear of approval of other people. Does God care about that worry as much as I do? For the believers in the room, you're probably like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> God doesn't care about that as much because God says what? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, seek me. Don't seek the approval of people. Be who I created you to be. That's what God would say in the truth of that. And when you begin to see that elevated and balanced out in your life, you begin to recognize, well, wow, that's good. I need to hear that. Blew my mind today. You know what? God is full of peace, and he wants to bless you with it. He wants to bless you with it. But if your mind is circling in the what-ifs, it's hard to receive that blessing. It's hard to receive that peace because you have tricked your mind, and you're not talking healthy thoughts to yourself. You're just allowing that to spiral out of control instead of centering yourself on what you know to be true and who you are, who he is and who you are in his eyes and allowing that to be the foundation of your relationship and the people around you and how you interact with your world and how you interact with people and how you hang out with friends and do those things that you love doing. And what would it look like that you would, yes, fear is a good thing in your life, but when it paralyzes you and distracts you and pulls you away from your relationship with the Lord and moves you to the place of not realizing that he's your provider, that's when you're entering into sin and you need to repent and to turn back around. Guys, I'm telling you, this is not, I literally just taught you how to capture a thought and bring it back to center. I literally just taught you how to do that. And if you can learn how to do that in your own heart, in your own life, and go to those places where you know that there are lies that Satan is, is using against you, you would take those things captive and bring them back into God's word and allow God's word to center you and bring you back to what you know to be true. Then you can begin to move in that right relationship with him and understand that abundant life that he has for you. Like I said, this is a very broad stroke in how to deal with anxiety. There's so many different things about this, and there's so many different nuances, and I'm sure you have so many different questions about, well, what about me? What about this? What about that? Whew. Yes. If you need professional help, if you find that you're, play, you're, you're in this place of anxiety, that you feel trapped and you can't go anywhere, you almost can't move, there are people that are around you that want to help. I'm one of them. My wife is a licensed counselor right here. Like she is professionally trained in this. She's sitting right here on the front row and she would love to help you too. Our team would love to minister to you and to pray with you and to encourage you. But don't stay there. That's the encouragement that I have for you. There are people around you that want to help and want to encourage you. It doesn't have to be this way for your life. It doesn't. And so if you're finding your, yourself trapped by anxiety, let's, let's have a great conversation, a healthy conversation on what that might look like for you to step out of that and to begin to receiving the abundant life that God has for you. I'm not saying that you're never, ever going to experience the abundant life if you're always, always anxious. That, please don't hear me that. But what I'm telling you is I don't want you to be in a sinful cycle. God doesn't want you to be in a sinful cycle. No. He wants you to experience the abundant life that he has for you. Here's the final thought, and you probably already picked it out, what the final thought is. Anybody want to take a stab at it? 
Our what? Our feelings are not what? Our feelings are not good leaders. Our feelings are great followers. Our feelings are not great leaders. And for the anxious person that's in the room tonight, that truth, that truth ought to be very real for you right now. Because the things that you feel aren't always true. They're not. They're not good leaders. What leads me is the truth of God and who he is and who I am with him. I'm going to say this last statement together. I put it up on the screen. And I've said this for the past couple of weeks and I want us to all declare it together. It says, I will not allow the evil one to steal my joy. Y'all not talking. Y'all need to be talking. This is an all play. This is an all play. You ready? I will not allow the evil one to steal my joy. I will not have tunnel vision on any unhealthy thing. I will pursue Christ and fix my eyes on him all the days of my life from this point forward. I'm getting down on the floor. You probably know what's coming. Some of you are doubting whether God loves you. You're doubting and questioning whether he knows you and believes you. And maybe because you're thinking about all the sin that has entangled your heart. Because so many times when we allow sin to come into our hearts and our lives, what it does is it creates guilt. We, we like, does God even love me? And what does that do? It creates for the anxious person, this what if cycle. You start going into this cycle of what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Oh my gosh, he doesn't love me. And it distracts you from knowing and experiencing the abundant life that God has for you, even in salvation. Some of you tonight are anxiously believing that your sin is, there's no way that God could love me. There's no way that God could forgive me. There's no way that I could have a relationship with God. How in the world could I have a relationship with God? Does God know the sin that I'm doing right now that I've committed in my life? And the fear of that and the anxiety of that is preventing you from taking steps of faith and belief that he can forgive you. He loves you. Genuinely, he loves you. He loves you. 